0: Aldi is hosting National Hiring Week for stores September 12th through the 18th. Over the past several years, we've grown rapidly, expanding from coast to coast. That means more opportunities for you to join our store teams across the country. You'll also benefit from our newly increased wages. During National Hiring Week, qualified candidates will be invited to interview on-site and may receive same-day job offers. Join us and apply online at careers.aldi.us slash radio. Welcome to more. Aldi is proud to be an equal opportunity employer.
1: Just text PEACE to 22433, and you'll likely hear from me again on the app as I guide you through daily meditations or help you fall asleep and experience the peace of God.
0: You're listening to The Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime who you all know and love. He is the lead NFL analyst for Heavy.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we've had a day for that preseason opener to kind of settle in, sink in. What are your thoughts, just off the cuff, about uh, the quarterback situation with a full day to just kind of settle in?
1: I think it's the same as it was last night, honestly. I mean, you know, all these headlines are being made about Drew Locke and, and what Vic Fangio said that it was he expected more, but he's not surprised. And that's, you know, where we were last night. It's the exact same as it will be this coming week. And until we see the Broncos in action next, I firmly believe the quarterbacks and the whole offense will look a little more composed, a little more cohesive. But I'm not drawing any conclusions, Chad. And I advise Broncos country, as I said last night, to do the same.
0: Amen to that we got a lot of questions to get to today in the Mile High Mailbag. We're going to dive in here in just a second. But first, a quick reminder, if you're new to the show, make sure you're following us on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. If you're new on YouTube, a new subscriber, or a new listener, if you're not subscribed, make sure you remedy that quickly. Like, comment, engage. We appreciate all of that. And if you're on iTunes as a new listener, take some time. If you like what you hear... Leave us a creative review and a five-star rating. Last spring, you chose hard-working seed, but did it work as hard as you did? At NK Seeds, we know that all the time, all the effort comes down to this. All that matters now is yield and how the seed performed on your acre. Because you can't fake performance, and bushels don't lie. Local results coming soon. Visit nkseeds.com slash harvest. All right, you guys, it is that time of the week where Zach and I take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag because we are your football priests, and each and every week, we're here to offer you the absolution and the answers to your burning Broncos questions. And Zach, the first one, we got a few on Twitter, and we have a lot on YouTube. And by the way, just a quick aside for all of our former VIP subscribers at the old network that shall go unnamed— I got some things cooking with the maven here very very soon where I'm going to be able to offer you a, a comped premium subscription It's coming very soon. So stay with us and make sure if you haven't done this yet go to the website and register click the follow button there at the top of the website and uh, Get your email registered so that once I'm able to offer that I can just comp you a subscription now first question here comes from drew Hollenbach at drew Two hundred five six seven seven nine on Twitter. He says, "I want to know about roster bubble guys: Rippin, Winfrey, Cravens, Muhammad. I think they all have a shot at the fifty-three and the whole upcoming Booker Riddick battle." Zach, we'll get to the bubble guys here, but when you saw Devonte Booker standing without pads on, not dressed, of course, in his jersey on the sideline, did not. I mean, he was being treated basically like a starter in Thursday night's game. What kind of implications can we draw from that in terms of how the Broncos are viewing him with Theo Riddick about to hit the roster?
1: You know, I was actually kind of surprised that he didn't play only because that he has no trade value right now, Chad. And I, I think it, the evident thing is he's on the way out, obviously with Theo Riddick coming in at this stage in the game and he signed a contract that's not a veteran's minimum. It's a substantial chunk of change. So they see him as a player who's going to be on the roster. They're not going to carry five total backs. So it would, I would presume that Booker is going to be out. I would thought they would play him, try to increase his trade value, let him go against you know second and third stringers as a former starter and, and you know, do some damage. The fact that he didn't play, maybe they don't want to risk him to injury and they want to save him till later in the preseason, maybe till some other teams suffer some injuries in their backfields. I don't know, but from what we can tell right now, uh, the day after the game, is that Booker's on the outside, way outside looking in. See, that's one thing that I take
0: some exception with, or two, I should say, is that Booker has no trade value. Now, I'll grant that he doesn't have a lot of trade value, but if you can flip a guy like Capri Bibbs for a mid-round pick, I mean, we were talking about at that time a third-string running back when the Broncos traded him to the Niners. I think pretty much anything's possible you know, within reason with regard to Devontae Booker. It's simply about finding the right trade partner who is in that kind of a – not necessarily desperate situation, but is has a, a running back needy situation. I think that the Broncos, I don't know, man. I don't like the move, and it's nothing against Theo Riddick. We've talked about this on a previous episode. It's nothing against Theo Riddick. He's a fine third, round, uh, third down back, great pass catcher, great route runner, but he's more of a slot receiver than is a running back. And yeah. I just don't understand why you would add him. I mean, I don't know, Zach. Of course, we weren't seeing the ones on uh, Thursday night, but – that passing game, it needs some work, dude. Like, it's, it's just not functioning the way you would hope it would. And again, I don't want to read too, too far into it because it is the preseason, but I'm trying to, like, project ahead and think about how Theo Riddick fits in and then also the implications with Booker. They're not good, but it will be a battle. I would only guess, I would only assume, Zach, that the Broncos with Theo Riddick choosing between multiple suitors gave him some kind of assurances about a path to the roster.
1: Yeah, And plus the money reflects that he's not just a bubble player for now. And I, I, we're in agreement there on the Riddick move. I, I like Booker. I think he brings a lot to the team. And, and we both believe, Chad, that the past receptions out of the backfield should go to Phillip Lindsay. get him more involved. But maybe they'll worry about his wrist. Maybe they want to take some workload off his plate. Maybe they just like Theo Riddick in that role. But uh, Booker, to me, I understand that he, he could maybe go for a conditional seventh round pick. But I don't see a team giving up any compensation for a guy who might be just outright Right, release in a few weeks. I mean, he, obviously, the Broncos don't see much of him. Obviously, they like theoretic more in that third down role. We've talked about this in the previous podcast. Uh, we don't like it, but it's obvious the Broncos think differently. And it looks like at this stage, uh, Booker's not long for Denver.
0: Let's talk about the bubble guys aspect of Drew's question here. Brett Rippon, I mean, he looked, for the most part, he looked, uh, I think he looked, the one thing I'll say about Brett Rippon compared to Drew Locke is he did look a little bit more poised. And I don't know how much of that had to do with kind of just the vibe of the game when he entered it. I think that if you're a quarterback, there's probably nothing as freeing and, you know, as invigorating of taking the field as the last quarterback, the third string guy, you pretty much have no pressure. And the two previous quarterbacks in front of you really didn't do anything to impress anybody. Like you've got really nowhere to go, but up because already everyone's expectations are extremely low and he hit the field and, You know, he was solid, unspectacular, didn't uh, do anything to completely, you know, ruin the perception on him. I still will be shocked and stunned if he makes the final roster out of camp, though.
1: Yeah, I would too. And and the thing about Rippin is he he looked definitely more calm and and in control of the huddle than Drew Locke did. But he was going against four stringers and fifth stringers, and Locke was still seeing second stringers and and third stringers. It does make a difference for two rookie, rookie quarterbacks. And also the fact, Chad, we all knew Rippin. His one of his strengths was his with his you know mentality, his headiness, his cerebral quarterbacking. That's the antithesis of Drew Locke, who wins on his arm. So the fact that he came in and he looked a little more advanced, to me it wasn't surprising. But, yeah, I still think it's only a matter of time before Drew Locke starts working his way up the depth chart. And if they want to carry three, it'll be a battle between Hogan and Rippon, honestly. I I still think Rippon is destined for the practice squad, uh, but you never know what can happen. He did look incrementally better, though I still say that that touchdown pass that Rippon had, Chad, it hung in the air, like just
0: like a a wounded duck. Well, and that's the biggest thing you can see. Just the eye test watching on the broadcast – I mean, the arm talent is night and day. When when Drew Locke cocks back, whether it's on target or whether it's on time, you know, is up in the air. But as far as the talent itself, the arm power, the strength, ripping can't hold a candle to that. Now, let's uh, turn the page. Winfrey and Cravens, I think maybe Cravens a little bit less so. But I think Winfrey is nearly a lock for the 53. Cravens, he played well. On the snaps he received, I thought Thursday evening, and then Muhammad. I think he's just going to be one of those guys destined for the practice squad. But that is, you know, if he continues to have a preseason like he he did on the opener, he probably when the Broncos go to wave him and try and stash him on the practice squad, some other team seeing, uh, you know, shadows of
1: the Philip Lindsay story from 2018 are going to swoop him up. I, I wouldn't even say it's a—it's nearly a lock for Winfrey. I think he is a lock, and I thought that when they traded up to draft him, Chad, and now so especially after the camp he's had, after the game-winning touchdown pass that he caught, uh, he's definitely a lock. Sua Craven certainly helped his chances last night. He knifed in the backfield. He was flying around the ball. The entire Broncos secondary, as we talked about, looked good, but he definitely stood out. And he, if he could just string those performances together and be more consistent, he will make the team in some capacity. Uh, Muhammad, it's he's a great, great player. I love his game a lot, but it's a numbers game right now. I mean, after signing Theo Riddick, they have more running backs now. They know what to do with yeah. his. His upside is the practice squad, but if they can stash him there, they can develop a player, and they have yet another weapon in that running game
0: this question here also on twitter from henry had to do with the riddick and and booker dynamics so i think we kind of covered and mined that territory for you so let's turn to some of the questions from our awesome community on youtube we'll start here with Nevitz 4433 he says or she i'm not sure how do the results of tonight's punt return efforts start to clarify who might make the 53 well Unfortunately, Brandon Langley did very little to help his chances. He hurt his chances by muffing that punt. I liked what I saw from Kelvin McKnight and mm-hmm. the, uh, the few reps that Nick Williams got. He at least hauled it in.
1: Yeah, I I did too. I I agree on McKnight. He was very explosive. And uh, Langley, he reminded me too much and everyone else of uh, Isaiah McKenzie. Running up to catch that muff punt, it was just a bad flashback. And if he can't do this, Chad, I mean, what value does Langley have to the team other than being just a fast receiver? So I think he'll be cut ultimately. And River Craycraft, I mean, this is the guy who was the sure hands last year. He hurt his oblique. He wasn't going to play in this game. He'll, I think, be given the, the primary shot if he sticks on the team to be the punt returner. But I like what I saw from Nick Williams. He almost reminded me of Jordan Taylor in the sense that there was a comfort level back there. He had sure hands. He knew where the ball was. He knew how to track it. So he's an underdog to watch in this battle for Tom McMahon's unit. Where
0: is Sunshine? Do you know where he he signed? Vikings. Okay. Kubiak. So he's with Coop. Okay. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Next question here comes from Pounds J on YouTube. Pounds J says, can you tell a difference in the coaching already from one game? Good?
1: Bad? Zach? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely good. We talked about it last night, Chad. The Broncos' tackling is night and day as it was last season under uh, Vance Joseph. They were flying around the ball. They stuck to the reads. They 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 wrapped up. They finished. They they handled the the rushing lanes on defense. All around, you can tell the Broncos have evident respect for Vic Fangio and vice versa. They're a much better coach team. They, they need some work. You know, Fangio's still a rookie head coach. is still a rookie coordinator. They're going to have some hiccups, but you can tell uh, it's all business. They're not going to kill themselves. There will be no death by interest for the Broncos this year, so it's definitely encouraging.
0: You know, I think the biggest thing is just preparation. I think you could just tell. Now, again... We can't get out over our skis because it's a single preseason game in which, you know, a handful of starters saw any snaps, but I just felt like the Broncos seemed to be better prepared in terms of their situational uh, readiness and awareness late in the game, even though it was kind of a fluke play. I liked that when Vic Fangio rolled the dice, he did so with confidence, and again, the stakes are nearly nothing because it is an exhibition game, but when the chips were down, the Broncos came through, so I think you can lay that squarely at the feet of the coaches. Now, next question here comes from Jay Day. He says, hey, guys, big fan. Congrats on the new gigs, but great game as a whole and a lot to build from. What do you guys think of the theoretic signing? I'm not sure what they're going to do with the running back situation, but I feel as though we could have some exotic formations with him and Lindsey on the field at the same time in the backfield or slot. We've already touched on what we think of that signing. Zach, I think... One thing we can say for for J-Day is, yeah, I mean, if both guys, and it looks like it's going to be this way, end up on the roster, it's going to give a guy like Rich Scangarello some options. But, again, my biggest thing here is if you had Theo Riddick stepping onto the Broncos roster circa 2013-2014 where the trigger man was a savant like Peyton Manning, I could envision all kinds of awesome things. But this offense, I mean, this is a first-time play caller. We're talking about Joe Flacco.
1: This isn't going to be Star Wars. And not to mention, he has a Pro Bowl running back already, Chad, and Phillip Lindsay, who's a dual threat as a runner and a pass catcher. You have Royce Freeman, you have Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, you have all these weapons. So, my thoughts of the Theoretic signing, it it was a, a luxury addition that cut off the nose despite their face, the Broncos. You're giving up a solid player in Booker, a leader in the locker room, the eldermost running back on the roster, to bring in a guy who's maybe incrementally better in certain departments and kind of, you know, upset the apple cart. I'm not a fan of it. They could do some things creative, you know, creatively with Rich Gangarello, but I'd rather either give those touches to Philip Lindsay or one of their wide receivers.
0: Next one here comes from Ethan L., and it's more of a comment and a reaction. Part of this is, as your football priest, is we're also here, of course, to help you exercise the demons. For Ethan, he says, so many drops. And that's been a theme of early days of Camp Zach, and it uh, basically translated to the field of play. We saw crucial drops from Noah Fant, a crucial drop from Jawan Winfrey, both early in the game, and then, of course, the muff punt, Still sloppy there, I don't think it's anything lacking on the coaching side. I really don't. I think it's just uh, you know it's just a it's just a coincidence and I think they'll work
1: it out. Yeah, it's it's nerves. It's a lot of new moving parts. It's it's a lot of things coming together. It's it, I wouldn't panic, but if this continue continues on a little longer, a couple of weeks, I would start to press the panic button. I don't think it will. Once you know everyone settles into their positions, once they gain the proper chemistry, which can only happen by doing Chad day by day by day, uh, these drops will start to dissipate.
0: All right, this next question here comes from Aaron Falk on YouTube. After hearing of the issues of our wide receivers drop issues at training camp and then watching two drops at the start of the game, if these drops continue, do you think it might be worth looking at the wide receivers coach? Now, the Broncos wide receivers coach, of course, is Zach Azani. And to answer your question, Aaron, absolutely not. He is one of the NFL's hot up-and-coming position coaches, and he proved last year – that he had a way to get through to the to the veteran in terms of Emmanuel Sanders having a career year before he got hurt. I mean, just looked like a completely revitalized player. We talked a lot about that as a trope last last uh, football season, just how he looked like a player reborn. You, he, creds, he credits uh, Zach Azani for that. And then the production that the Broncos got out of not only their two rookies last year in Cortland Sutton and, and Deshaun Hamilton, but also Tim Patrick, when River Craycraft was called up late in the season, it was all good. And so I don't really think, Zach, well, well, you can tell Aaron what you think here, but I really don't think at this stage it's anything to do really with the coaching. I mean, maybe there's like an accountability issue there at a certain point. Maybe the Broncos have to send a message and cut somebody if it, if it continues into the next couple of games. But I don't see it being laid at the feet at this stage of Azani, who's done nothing but, but prove that he's very
1: good at what he does. And Chad you laid it out pretty perfectly I, I fully agree with everything you said uh, he's one of the better assistant coaches that the Broncos have and it says something that Vic Fangio retained him after the overhaul that went on in Denver uh, the drops will go down in a matter of time do not panic this will be a non-issue in a few weeks time I promise you that all
0: right we still have a few questions we want to get to here today but first we gotta take a quick break we'll be right back
1: this is the overtime podcast Network. <laughs>
0: All right, this next question here comes from JL Avenger 23 He says, Greetings from San Jose, Costa Rica, guys. At last, football is back. Very quickly, I like Kalfani Muhammad a lot and Jawan Winfrey, too. On the running back department, we are more than covered. And also on the wide receivers, I see a good core getting ready, need to fix some details. And last night, they left some easy ones uh, to drop. First question, What can be the idea of bringing another running back? Theo Riddick on the minds of everybody here. Uh, with Booker as the veteran there. I saw some highlights, though. He has his stuff, to be honest. And with Muhammad, there is a possible hidden jewel. It kind of gets me thinking, are there too many running backs or not? Now, I think w- he's got a couple more, so let's just leave that one on the floor. Second question, he says, Locke has arm strength, needs to polish the details. He's a hard-throwing pitcher, as Coach Vic Fangio says. I always liked Rippin since Boise State. Hogan needs to prove himself, not too sure on him. Can it happen that we have Locke second, Rippen third, and Hogan on the practice squad? Rippon looked more composed to me, but it is just the first preseason game. I know, still games left. Keep up the great work. Greetings from the Denver Broncos fan club, Costa Rica. Thanks, JL Avenger twenty three. I don't see Hogan. Uh, I don't even know if
1: he has any he has practice eligibility. squad ability. Well. Exactly. Yeah, I was thinking that. So yeah, I don't. I don't see it happening. He's either going to be the number two on this roster or left off the roster. Chad, I, I don't see it happening at all. Um, it's going to be you know. Locke is locked into a spot, and uh, Rippon is cemented into a spot at least on the practice squad. Hogan, it's all or nothing for him. All right, next one here comes from William
0: Carn. If our offensive line clicks, we're headed to the playoffs. Nobody can stop us. Uh, old line is the O line is the key. That's where we've been sucking for the last three or four years. Zach, the when that first unit that had three starters on it for about a dozen snaps also included Don Barkley at right guard and then Elijah Wilkinson at right tackle. That first unit there, they were very good, just mowing dudes down in the running game. The Broncos scored that touchdown on their second possession, keeping Kevin Hogan's jersey clean. But the backups to the backups, that's where things kind of go off the cliff. Now, projecting ahead... I mean, once you get to the regular season, it's really that group that was on the field for the first couple possessions who are going to be seeing any meaningful time if anything happens to one of the starters. So I am more than pleasantly, you know, encouraged by what I saw from those guys. The the, the really the depth, depth guys, though, there were some major concerns. Drew Locke was running for his life half the time, and they just couldn't get anything going with uh, Devontae Jackson on the ground in the middle of the game.
1: Yeah, it looks like the coaching, obviously, with Mike Munchak is an improvement. It looks like the Broncos O-line will be better overall. I just want to see, Chad, the first string unit come together, and it's going to take them some time to gel some games. So hopefully, uh, Jawan James is healthy. Hopefully, everyone on that line is settled. What I was encouraged, though, is that Connor McGovern had no bad snaps at center. Got some shotgun snaps, didn't didn't have any muffs, didn't have any fumbles. So it's encouraging. Obviously, Mike Munchak, his coaching is paying dividends. And I'm with you. If they can have a top 10 offensive line this season, and if they do, the Broncos are a playoff team because that will mean they're keeping Joe Flacco clean, and a clean Flacco means more plays. So if they all come together, if they avoid the injury bug, and they all hit their potential, this could be a top 10 offensive line.
0: All right, next question here comes from Tim Richhart. He says, You think fans are overreacting about Locke's performance, saying it's another bad pick by Elway? Is there any true football fans know not to read into the first game? I mean, Mahomes was only 4 of 7 for 33 yards his first preseason game. I think fans just need to relax and give him time to develop as the project that he is. Tim, that's exactly true. I mean, it's the first preseason game, and I'm already hearing tropes about how, oh, we're just recapitulating the Paxton Lynch-Trevor Simeon thing with you know, and uh, being Simeon and, and Locke being, of course, Lynch. I've already heard multiple times people use the bust word. I mean, come on. For those of you who have those thoughts, push them. I understand that why the fear might be there because Elway has struggled so badly to land on a quarterback in the draft. However, it is way too early to even come close to drawing that type of a conclusion on Drew Locke.
1: You know, I agree with you, Chad, and I'll take it one step further. I would almost have to question your football uh, fandom if you're really calling a r- raw rookie quarterback after his first preseason game a bust. Because of what? He didn't have any touchdowns. He had no interceptions, no fumbles. He took a couple sacks, but what did you expect from Drew Locke in his first performance? Seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns. He was always going to be a project, so his first NFL snaps were uneven. I'm not exactly surprised. And any real Broncos fan that has genuine interest invested in this team and knowledge invested in this team would know Locke is going to take some time, certainly more than his first preseason game.
0: All right, next question here, and we're running a little bit long with quite a few left to go, so let's rapid-fire these bad boys. The next question here comes from the Quarth, or the Carth, however you pronounce that. How was Draymond Jones' performance? We touched on this a little bit on uh, the gut reaction episode, but he was a stud, and in fact, he's the one who caused that interception that Trey Johnson got late in the game. He ended up, Draymond Jones, as the Broncos' highest-graded player on the day via pro football focus, with an elite 90.9 grade, Zach.
1: Yeah, he was excellent. Uh, He earned praise from Vic Fangio, rightly so. He and DeMarcus Walker both, he played well too. They can be the the Malik Jackson replacements for Denver. Though I will add this, I'm not trying to be the wet blanket to Draymond Jones. He was a third-round pick. He should be beating up on fifth stringers, you know, 5th string offensive linemen. He should be winning these battles, but it's good that he's getting consistent pressure, interior pressure. The Broncos haven't had it for a while, and if they can have it consistently from either him or Demarcus Walker, they're on next-level defense with those outside linebackers. All right, next question
0: here comes from Kaimana Wilson. Who were your guys' standouts of the game? Personally, I thought Reisner, Bosby, Yadam, A.J. Johnson all played well. Zach, I can't disagree with... Well, AJ Johnson, I'm going to reserve my comment on that because I haven't rewatched the game yet. And uh, otherwise, everyone else that, that you mentioned there, I agree, was a standout. I would throw out Muhammad. We've talked about Jones. Demarcus Walker was a standout. Almost all the safeties look really good, Zach.
1: Yeah, I was going to say Jamal Carter is another one who had a great uh, game last night on specials and defense. And Malik Reed, an outside linebacker, uh, really, really impressed. He looked much better than Jeff Holland. So uh, a lot of defensive standouts, a lot of in the in- outside linebacking core, inside linebacking core, and the secondary. You're already seeing that influence with Vic Fangio. Immediate dividends, immediate payoff.
0: All right, next question here from both Chalice it says Look, or Both maybe. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Locke needs more reps. It's time to move on from Hogan. He played well, but Locke needs the reps. That's 100% true. Like, I get it that the Broncos are, you know, cognizant or paranoid, maybe even about fearing for, for the need of having a fail safe, someone with some experience. But the more reps you give to a guy named Kevin Hogan, who at best, at best, is a backup who never sees the field and is gone this time next year at best, okay? Compared to Drew Locke, who you has all the talent in the world and you invested a second-round pick in, and, and also traded up to grab, I mean, you, he needs all the reps he can get, Zach. And the the longer it takes for the Broncos to come to that same conclusion, I
1: fear the longer it's going to take for uh, for Locke to develop. It's definitely a catch-22 for Denver. But, you know, looking at it from their point of view, they only have – uh kevin hogan two inexperienced guys behind joe Flacco, who's coming off an injury who's getting up there in years so they have to protect themselves and as sad as it is kevin hogan is still the most experienced quarterback among them i will say if it looked a little more comparable if they were closer in uh the competition if Locke didn't look so like he had a little longer to go and then kevin hogan looked a little more advanced i would say they can dump kevin hogan now but just knowing John Elway, just knowing Vic Fangio, how they want to make how they want to make Drew Locke earn every opportunity and make him earn that number two job, it's only gonna happen on the strength of his own shoulder and in his brain until he takes that leap forward. And there's no doubt about it, that's when they'll release Kevin Hogan and he'll get his reps. But he really is gonna to have to yeah. have to earn them by merit, not by draft status. All
0: right, next question here comes from Malcolm Brown. He says, which players advanced their case the most? Hmm. Which player's advanced their case the most? I think DeMarcus Walker did a good job of sending the message to the coaches that, you know, he received the message they sent to him first and foremost from draft by drafting Draymond Jones. Message received loud and clear. I'm here, I'm stepping up, and even after the game Vic Fangio said Walker came up to him saying, "You know how good of a game I had right?" Bragging and and John about uh, just being excited about his performance because he, he got a QB hit, he got a sack. I think he was the second highest graded player for the Broncos on uh, via pro football focus. That's right. He finished with an 89.5 grade, number two, uh, to Draymond Jones, 90.9. I think Walker did a lot to help his case, Zach. I think Muhammad did a lot. However, the roster politics, I just mm, I don't see it uh, working out well for him.
1: Yeah, a lot of the players who did well were either rookies or players who were on the roster bubble. In terms of advancing their case, I could say Sua Cravens maybe. He had a a good game, and he's a notable player. Uh, He did well. Juwan Winfrey as a player that some fans still think apparently that he can be on the practice squad or or left off the roster. But other than that, I mean, uh, Demarcus Walker, Draymond Jones, those guys really really helped their case as players who the Broncos can build on, not just guys who are going to run out the depth chart. Last question.
0: This one comes from D. Brown. He says, who was the standout player? To me, Zach, the standout player, I'll give you one on each side of the ball. On offense, it had to be Kalfani Muhammad. And on defense, I got to say Draymond Jones because I think he was just more consistent. Even though he didn't get home and officially tally his first sack, he was, I think, more consistent and disruptive against the run and in the pass game. And then, of course, forced that turnover.
1: Yeah, and he drew direct praise from Vic Fangio. I definitely agree with you, Chad. There were no, like, slam-dunk Broncos players, and it It was only 14-10. It was a very low-scoring game. But, uh, yeah, Muhammad, uh, Draymond Jones, uh, Demarcus Walker, uh, Jawan Winfrey, those players were pretty much the standouts to me.
0: All right, well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Zach and I closing out another great week of podcasting. Thanks to everybody for listening, for subscribing, you know, when you share these podcasts out on your social media, you guys have no idea how much it helps us. So, big thanks to all of our great listeners who support the show. And make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can find Zach on Twitter at Kelberman NFL. He's changed it. So, remember that at Kelberman NFL. Myself at Chad N. Jensen. Stay tuned. We will be back in the saddle with a fresh episode for you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody, for Zach Kelberman. I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.